Oh, I don't know how far in advance I am listening to episodes. So, am I the first guest? You're the first oh, yeah. guest. You're the first guest. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. That's beautiful. Hi, Allison. Hi, Allison. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. I'm so excited. <laughs> I know. We're super psyched today because we have Why? our very first guest for ADHD oh. 20. That's amazing. Yeah. It's our very first guest, and he's someone that we both respect so, so much. He's an inspiration to us. He is uh, kind of a full-time game master for you every Thursday night. Living the dream. Not that GMing for me is the dream, but like being a (laughs) full-time game master. No, it is. It is. It is. It is. (laughs) that's That's how I'll introduce my voice. Hi, everyone. I'm Alejandro Tay. Yay! I use the pronouns. And I am living the dream of being Allison's GM every Thursday. That is the dream. That's a perfect intro. So you guys have heard me (laughs) talk about Tabletale games. I feel like in most episodes, because Thursdays, they're the days that I get to play with the Tabletale crew. They're my favorite days of the week now because of that. So yeah, give us, give us a little introduction. Tell us about yourself and then tell us about Tabletale. year is 2020. (laughs) It is January. Everything is going great in the life of this sweet little theater nerd. I'm getting ready to start a workshop production of my play, The Isle of Sugar, which is a tabletop RPG slash theater experience that is also based in my grandparents' experience with the Cuban Revolution. So yeah, oh my gosh, we should talk about this. Yeah, so how to take an uninitiated audience member, because that's the thing with RPGs, right? Is like you go in knowing I'm going to play an RPG. Even if you don't know the rules, someone has said, here's what you need to know about the rules. Or don't worry, I'll walk you through the rules. But you know you're going to go into playing an an RPG. So, Mm -hmm. So the question there was, how do you take an uninitiated audience member? An audience member who's maybe just like, I'm coming in to do a play. Maybe I've heard there's some participation. That's all I know. And then secretly, we're going to play an RPG. Also, it's based in a docudrama. Also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's very cool. So I'm getting ready to do that. Wow. Um, me and my wife are like going on our honeymoon. I'm like running games online for strangers that, you know, I convince myself this is research for my play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but maybe it's also just for me. So I'm doing all of that. Nothing could possibly go wrong. We have an extension. The run of the show does fantastic. It gets extended. We're going to go into March in like a new space and everything. And then something happened that y'all might have heard of or might be aware of. Oh, my. (laughs) Everything shut down. And all of the gigs that I had been doing, even beyond Isle of Sugar, like all my theater work and all my teaching work just (laughs) vanished into Mm. the wind. And then uh, I said to the internet, hey there, I'm a dear sweet theater nerd who just lost all my foreseeable employment for who knows how long. Uh, I'm going to be running some games online. Maybe you want to play and maybe you want to toss a coin or two to your Witcher. <laughs> and it went really well. It went really well. I did that for a couple of weeks and, and there was such a massive need 
at that time Mm -hmm. for connection. Because, you know, we're all, we all had to quarantine. We all had to be away from each other. And for just six weeks, right? For only six weeks. I mean, (laughs) that's right. You know, we're going to flatten the curve. This is going to boost me until we get through the other side and then we'll pick up the pieces and see what's left. And so when that did not happen, my my friend and player from my home game, Zach Bernstein, called me up and was like, hey, I see what you've been doing. It's a great idea. But A, you are charging way too little. And B, would you like to take this more seriously as a business? And I said yes to both of those things. And then we went on a two-year journey into... Table tale games. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I did not know that origin story. I am heartbroken that I missed Style of Sugar. You didn't. It's gonna. It's gonna come back around. I'm going to find some way to do it. You might have to go to another state to experience it, but it'll live somehow. I also don't think I realized that we got to play with you so close to the beginning of all of it, because I think our first game was June. We bought Matt as a birthday gift because of our mutual friend, Corinne had when everything started up said, look at the cool thing that my friends are doing. And so we just kind of on a lark, we were like, this would be a cool birthday gift. So we did a private session with you sometime that summer. Y'all are some of my favorite players. Like that's the thing. Like I want to keep playing with y'all as long as I possibly can too. Okay. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Twist our arms. We will. Yeah. So with Matt and Evan and Fitz, we have played several one shots, a four shot series that we've talked about before. Yeah. The sharp-eared <laughs> listeners will recall that I murdered. Um, you Alex's murdered Love. Yep. Yep. You, and I listened. I listened to that episode and had a little minor anxiety attack where i was like oh "Oh, god i've caused real life pain you elevated a story that's the whole point of that is that you gave something made up fantasy right meaning and stakes and that's that's beautiful this is like a really interesting thing to talk about with these games because and i feel it especially being a gm you have to have such care to the humans Mm -hmm. involved because Mm -hmm. we invest so deeply and like you all have talked about before there is a piece of you in these characters and being aware of that and being respectful of that and also allowing those pieces of you to rise to heroic challenges is sort of what the game is all about like you can't leave the kid gloves on but at the same time you know There are people for whom (laughs) I know that GMing is like a power trip and I am just here to be able to express some kind of control maybe that I don't have in my life. And it's a very dangerous place to be in because you have such power and you need to wield it responsibly. That's my soapbox moment. (laughs) I'm not blowing smoke. I'm staring at two of my favorite GMs to play with, Matt and Tay. And I don't feel that way about either of you. I mean, you're, you both are very good at challenging and pushing on players. We have to play at our level, but I, yeah, I don't, I've never felt a power trip situation. So thank you. Thank you. We are kind of supporting the players and yet Lab's death made it onto a podcast. It was such a big event. It was so important and it's so necessary to do. Of all <laughs> of the ways for Lav to go and all of the 
NPCs to kill her. Yes. The fact that it was Vecna and everything going on with Stranger <laughs> Things and Vecna is now. I've had so many friends now because I had told them that Vecna is who killed my character. See, I didn't say Tay. I said Vecna. And they now have watched Stranger Things. They're like, that's the same one that killed you. And well, yes and no, not really. But yeah, but yeah. So it's a big multiverse out there. I would also like to point out that that Vecna killed us before season yes. four premiere. That's yes. true. It had not so, been announced. I yep. think you were ahead of the curve there as Vecna the killing machine. Yes. Yes. We were doing multiverse shenanigans before before Dr. Shane, before everything, everywhere, all at once. Yep. Big plug Man. for that movie. Go see that movie. It's so good. I gotta see it. Gotta see That's it. It's so good. Multiverse so, so hot right now. Oh, speaking of which, side note, apparently... I have not seen the movie yet. I'm, I'm dying to see it. Oh, oh ev everything, everywhere, fans. all at once? Yeah, sorry. Everything, okay. everywhere, all at once. The directors during that the said... The Davids, maybe? The I Davids. Thank remember. you. I think it's yeah. the Davids. There was some there's some aspect of the movie that kind of speaks to the, the mindset of someone with ADHD in some way. And he discovered oh. during the filming of that that he does, in fact, have ADHD. He's like, oh, wow. Okay, that makes sense. That's why I wanted to go there. And that's what it is. So. There's something so fascinating about that because... So those directors... I would characterize their style as like sensory overload. Like it's like mm -hmm. constant sensory stimulus and input. But there's something really interesting. And I think over the course of their career, you see them honing it and defining it because yeah. everything or everywhere all at once definitely has sensory overload. But I don't know. I felt carried in it. I felt buoyed. Ooh. Like I could make my way through the movie, even if it was a lot happening. It was never like, oh, whoa, I'm just totally lost and shutting down. Mm. I don't know. There was like, there was such a clear, cohesive through line and like a pull wow. that's not just, we've slapped a bunch of stuff on the wall and now yeah. it's all there. Now you sift through it, you know? Um, Alison, you you do have some topics because otherwise we'll just, we could just tangent for we, we eternity. Could, which would be on brand and I wouldn't mind. Um, that's true. So in preparation for Tay coming, one thing I have gotten to know is that Tay loves a D100 table. There are tables in all that we do. Your wild magic surge table is a thing of art and beauty. So in that same spirit, this is actually something that I've been meaning to do pretty much since we started this. I have finally put together a D100 table, an ADHD 100 table that will become, <laughs> you know, just like the outline, the thing we'll probably forget about half the time, but, you know, keep us honest. And in the spirit of my ADHD, naturally it is not finished. Because <laughs> why would I have finished something I started? Why? So, why? Tay, I'm I'm hoping that maybe you could help with a like a couple of questions to like cherry on the top of the Sunday. But I'd also like for us to also go ahead and roll some D100 so we can break open this table. I'm so happy. I am kid in a candy store right now because the okay. So right before we get into this, the reason why I love random tables is because to me that's that is the third element of yes. what makes a tabletop game so good and so juicy is you have your players each coming to the table you have a mechanics system of some kind that allows for, you know, resolution of these narrative strings and conflicts or whatever. Yes. And then you have random chance, just yep. random ass chance. And the way that can spur creativity and 
allow stories to take new directions that you did not conceive of in your mind. It's fantastic, especially if you're in the GM chair, you are naturally always thinking a couple of steps ahead. You're always thinking of like, okay, well, if they do this, then probably we'll do this. Even if you're a very fly by the seat of your pants, improvisational GM, yep. which I am, like I, do, I don't script anything ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Even if you have that, you already have in your mind, maybe like the next five or six moves at least. Mm -hmm. But when you roll it on a table, you can't plan for that. And you just have to react. And that state of being of just reacting is my favorite thing. So yes. that's a very long way of saying I'm ready to roll. Right. I have what, now what rolled. Order we, what order are we? Well, why don't we roll initiative? Yes. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> oh, dang. Okay. Right. Okay. Oh, ugh, seven. I rolled a four. So 12. Oh. Maddie's the Matt, big winner today. <laughs> Matt, what was your D100 roll? <laughs> my D100 roll is. 79, 79. This is so exciting. This is our first ADHD 100 read. I love it. I'm so happy. <laughs> All right, 79. Oh, boy. What advice do you have for someone recently diagnosed with ADHD? My advice, for besides listen to this podcast, because I think you could both learn about ADHD and D&D &D at the same time. <laughs> Maybe something you're not, you know, doing currently, which you should. Definitely, I feel like... Number one, congratulations. Like, you're lucky. I think that before I was diagnosed with ADHD, before I kind of started to put all of these pieces together, there was loss. There was depression. There was confusion. There was just beating the shit out of myself because I didn't understand that it is my brain that's working differently. And that's totally okay, right? You're born with what you get. And so the first thing I would say is, you want to have coffee? Let's talk about it. Seriously, let us, let's just talk. Let's just, what questions do you have? And do that with everybody that you can possibly find that knows that they have ADHD. And yeah, just find that community that instantly exists, right? Find your crew and hang out with them as much as you can, because you're not alone. That's the main thing. It's like the joy definitely is, oh, thank God, you're not alone. So that's what I would do. Call me up. This is what I would say. That's really beautiful. Can I ask a follow-up? May I just grab the wheel of y'all's podcast for a second? What What is involved in a diagnosis? Like people talk about diagnosed, not diagnosed, et cetera. Like for y'all, what was that process? Like what did that look like? Do they poke you with a needle? Like I don't know. <laughs> I hope not. And that's a funny thing because that was 20 years ago that I got that yeah. diagnosis. And I wonder now what it would be like. Um, it seems to still be just a list of questions. I, I was diagnosed seven years ago. So yeah, it, it can confirm. With a list, it's a list it's, of questions. It's, it can confirm. Like a quiz? Like, yeah. I, I'm sure it's different for children, teens, because I, I basically walked into the doctor's office and said, I know I have ADHD. I've always had ADHD. What are we going to kind of do about it? But even once I got officially diagnosed in my doctor's office... I didn't do anything about it for years. I, I was 37 before I started any kind of therapy practice for it. I've only just now tried medication for it in the last six months. So the diagnosis then was, was okay, cool. There's, there's a label for this. I'm part of something. This whole time, society has been making me feel lazy, unmotivated, you know, like something's wrong with me for not being able to finish projects that I start 
for being anxious about things that the rest of the world deems dumb. I've had many, many people in the past tell me you're being really dramatic about something stupid. I will say, though, that because that does sound super confusing and it, it is true. It's just a I think it's just a questionnaire. And so, yes, there are lots of people who kind of just walk in and say, I, I have ADHD and I, you know, so I need some Adderall. I think there's probably tons of people that do that, which, you know, makes getting Adderall more complicated. But I think that when I was diagnosed and it's many times in the last 20 years, I have not believed it or believed in it. But mm -hmm. more recently, as people are speaking out about it and talking about it, there's no question that, that I do now, but it, but it isn't, I wouldn't say that one questionnaire just 100% mm -hmm. pegged me, right? Yeah. Like, I think it did enough for the doctor to say, okay, yep, that sounds about right. Because there are some things that someone who doesn't know that they have ADHD takes as granted or takes as neurotypical that aren't. Right. So mm. I think I think that maybe a good therapist can go in and say, OK, based on how they're acting, what they're doing, are they stimming? Are they like, mm -hmm. you know, are they playing with their hair or do they have a little thing? Are they and all of it together with these, you know, 20 questions or whatever it is, I think they can kind yeah. of yeah. make it more qualified. But yeah, it's totally random. And they're now, of course, discovering, is it related to autism? Is it related to all these other things so i don't know if there ever be a like a blood test maybe that's that's really fascinating to me because i as i imagine probably many of your listeners do i hope so i don't want to be alone but i certainly would listen to y'all tell stories and go oh wow i really identify with that oh i'm totally different <laughs> than that oh wow that sounds like something that happened to me right like i'm basing some of my own memories and experiences off of what y'all are bringing up and going like do i need to look into this further or do i just really like these people and want to be in their club like what is happening <laughs> right now what is happening both we no, welcome you in either uh, sense either way yeah <laughs> however however um, great tangent, you guys. Tay, what did you roll on your D100? Uh, well, I rolled 81. Tay, you and I both rolled an 81. Oh my gosh, it's perfect. Oh. <laughs> it's perfect. Okay. So, so yeah, so the question that you will now answer is what about your life right now <laughs> would a younger version of yourself find hardest to believe? I think my younger self didn't actually have a whole lot of ambitions i don't know i think i have generally gone through my life with a plucky optimism that like infuriates my partners um that no but honestly that like what's right in front of me it's what i'm doing my dreams as a kid were like i want to be making theater i think with people I like. And I knew more about what I didn't want to do than what I did want to do. I knew that I did not want to go to LA because it sounded like a place that was all about like 
image and who you know and playing like a social climbing game to further your career. Spoiler alert, it's always that everywhere you go. It doesn't matter (laughs) if you're on the West Coast or not. So that didn't really (laughs) pan out. But beyond that, I didn't really know what form or shape my life would take or what I would get interested in. But I left a lot of room open to get interested in things. And what I found, what I discovered through living my life was that the thing that really got me fired up was this idea of participatory theater. It's what led me to RPGs, but I was doing it way before I ever played an RPG. I made these weird shows in college that were, shout out to Ned Baker, my like partner in crime, we would make these shows that were like stage combat stunt spectaculars that would range all across campus where the audience would have like points where they would decide what would happen next. It was very choose your own adventure. So there's always been that desire, that interest. And I think it's about that specific relationship to audience. Being someone who like, I have a thing prepared for you. I have an experience prepared for you, but I need you in order to do it or to figure out how it ends or to figure out how the middle Mm -hmm. is filled, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. I need the audience for that reason. And that relationship is what artistically fires me up. And that's exactly what I'm doing now. So I think the that's the longest way of saying my younger self would take a stock of my current life and go, huh, that's all right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. You know? Yeah. It also tracks why you are such a good and I presumably also love GMing. If that's I love GMing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. For that exact reason. I am so ready to tell a story that is also me finding the story and discovering the story as I go. Yeah. And that's exactly what GMing is. You're the storyteller, but you have no idea how it's going to go. Allison, so question 81. Yeah, question 81. What about 99? Like What's 99 doing? What's 99 happening? Gosh, Tay, could you oh. do you have one that you might want to throw out to Allison? I do. I do. I've been thinking about this one a lot as I've been listening. So, Allison, um, this is more of a more of a D&D related question. Mm-hmm. But what is it about D&D? for you emotionally what draws you in and what keeps you wanting to play this game hilarious that the person who like pushes all my buttons in game is now pushing my buttons on my own podcast (laughs) you think you're an agent of chaos but you have seen nothing of chaos you know not what chaos is That's really why we wanted Tay here for the voices. I could just sit here and host the the many voices of Tay all day long. How do you put feelings into words? I know that's like the age old question and that's going to come off as such a cop out, but I don't have words for this. It's bigger than that because all I know is the very first time I played my very first session, it was suddenly all I wanted to do. The only thing I want to think about. Let me see. Let me see if I can get at it by like stripping stuff away. If it was D&D, but it was not anything to do with any fantasy genre. There's no silly mm-hmm. names. There's no magic, but it's still a character and it's still in another world that's not our own. Mm-hmm. Would it be something that you're still like, oh, yeah, I want to do that? I think you're already finding something. I, I like the 
even when I think about the characters I build, I tend to almost always want to be a caster. You know, I built a rogue and as soon as Matt would let me multi-class her into bard. I've tried fighter. It didn't work. Okay. Um, so there's something about magic something that is magic. important. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let me try this. What if I told you that we could play without any dice rolls? We're oh, still no. sharing a no. <laughs> no. That was immediate. Ouch. Immediate. Okay. Okay. So that aspect of it, what if I was like, what if I was like, yeah, there are dice rolls, but we're going to play a game that has, that has no combat in it at all. That it's just magic people in a magic world putting together a, a magic fair. Like they have to put on a magic carnival and we're not going to have any combat. No, that would not like that. No, not good. <laughs> okay. Would, See, that we're getting to the bottom of it. I tell I you I want to cast spells, match baddies, roll dice. <laughs> okay. Well, well, what if I told you this? What if I said, we're going to do, I want to run a game that is like mm -hmm. a gauntlet game. You're mm -hmm. a magic caster with your friends, but it's literally just, mm -hmm. it's, it's a gauntlet of a dungeon, one level, one boss fight, and we make our way down. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole game. I would want to play that. It, you it, want it, that. And it's interesting, though, like, hmm. I think 2020, Allison would have been all about that. Whereas now, like the, mm. the evolution that has happened is like, well, no, but I'd miss the role playing. You know, Matt has pushed on my buttons in one of our games where he has introduced a love story into it. And at first I shut that shit down faster than anything else. I wanted nothing to do with that. Which is fair. Um, of course, it's fair. <laughs> you know, you should be allowed yeah. to shut something like yeah, that down. Yeah, yeah. It was very weird and very like alien for me to try. And I was like, no, no, first of all, like, we're not here for that. We're here to mash baddies. Um, and now like that has become something that both I and my character get excited about is now like that that mm. is out in the open and I, feelings have been confessed. I think I've just discovered what I set out to discover, which is that you and I are the polar opposite. Interesting. Tell me more. I don't care if it's fantasy or if it's magic. I don't care if we're doing combats or not. I could care less about the system. Mm -hmm. I don't care, honestly, even if there are dice. Like I said earlier, mm -hmm. like I love dice as like a randomizing mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of force, but there don't need to be dice to do that. That can happen in many other ways. And it could just be as long as there's a story. Mm -hmm. As long as there's a narrative, as long as there's something, some kind of role-playing or story to figure out there doesn't even need to be role-playing there there are mm -hmm. games out there like i've played you know a quiet year and microscope where it's mm -hmm. literally just me and my friends sitting around deciding what the story is we're not even playing characters we're just bouncing ideas off of each other and like creating a story together mm -hmm. like almost like a writer's room and i'm like that is a fulfilling rpg experience for me and that's why you and Matt get along so well. As I think about, <laughs> we like, might we might be the same person, Tay. <laughs> I love it. We I might love be it. The same. This is this is Matt over the course of the last year with this world that he's now built for us. That we debuted Castle Birthday Weekend. Like that was so fun for Matt, and I was like, "Plug me in. I want to play. I'll answer a question if you need it." But I want wow. I want to play in the world that you yeah. built. So yay! I'm sitting here talking to two of the same people. <laughs> Wonderful. So to go back a little bit about about you know, pushing, you're not supposed to or should ever push someone into an uncomfortable situation. It's just that Irina fell in love with AK's character because of the things that that the character was doing and helping. And, and that's all Allison. That was all wow. like, I did not set out 
to create a romance for anybody. Yeah, most most of my characters are like asexual explicitly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, of course. I think that's probably the mo- the safer Maybe maybe a healthy rule to have as a GM, yeah. Also healthy. But I just, as Allison became more comfortable and you got to know the character, it just happened one day. You made that decision in my mind, right? Like, Let, let me ask you, Matt, because mm-hmm. this is how I have thought about it and I speak it in these terms. I think of, when I'm running, I think of myself as I am the engine of a video game. I only yes. render the things you look at. If you yes. don't get invested in this thing, I'm not going to spend any mental space on it. But if you spend a lot of time on that thing, I'm going to learn things about it. And I didn't know we're there. Yes, 1000%. I was going to say that to the point where I, you know, I tell my wife, she's like, D&D today, so you'll be done at three. But I always forget the hour or so that I have to spend making notes on what they have changed that they have already built in that three hours, four hours. Oh, man. Like I have to <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I just, you just invented your dad and you didn't know it. But now <laughs> I know where the dad was and why he's there. And, ah, so Matthew, uh, yep. Copy paste, except it's at midnight. And y'all <laughs> talked about, you've talked on a previous episode about like our Thursday game being done at midnight and then having to like decompress from it. But yes, I am like, we're done at midnight. And now I am like writing frantic, furious notes of like, whoa, not even what happened this session, but like, what are the implications? What are the consequences of what just happened this session? What does this mean for like our ongoing threads? And then I've got to decompress from that. It's all changed my mind about it, I will say, like seeing the different ways people play into it. Let me do a follow up to that question then. What keeps you invested so deeply in Critical Role? And is it the same things or not as a viewer Mm -hmm. as opposed to a player? So I have a confession, you guys. I've failed out of both seasons one and three, so I'm back to two. (laughs) I don't get it. I started two again. I missed it too much. I had to go back to my security blanket. Oh, no. (laughs) Wow. A++. That's good. Because now I'm watching it again and I'm picking up all the delicious little breadcrumbs that they had dropped us the whole time that, of course, you know, watching it, I didn't realize you can see the depth. So now I'm watching it as a player to better understand the relationship between player and game master. And so now that I know how it's all going to shake out, it's really cool to watch like how they started to set those stories up dozens of episodes like there's stuff going on in episode four that we aren't going to find out about until the 80s. And so I guess that's the answer to the question is that like you could watch this a million times and find nuances every single version through. Okay, so I have a question for Tay then along those lines. Are you, would you consider yourself a careful person? Meaning Allison goes back and she watches things over and over and over and over and picks up on those juicy details. That can be torturous to me. I have a few things that I revisit, but that is just not my freaking jam. I'm so glad that you clarified because when you said, are you a careful person? I thought you meant just like in life, like carrying dishes, like going, you know, whatever. I'm like, no, the answer is no. The answer is yes, I am a klutz. No, I am not a careful person. And I'm not a terribly careful watcher either. I also very rarely, if ever go back to rewatch something, mm-hmm. I can probably count on both hands the number of movies that I have rewatched. And I would say that, like, toot my own horn here, I think it has made me a more close watcher because I know I'm, like, one and done. Right. 
Mm. Or something else, something that I will do, actually. And this is kind of a dirty little secret. I don't really like to lead with this, but I will often give myself spoilers for something I'm about to watch. Like I will go onto Wikipedia and I will get the general plot breakdown before I watch it so that I can pick up on all of the things when I watch it through the first time and not have to see it again. You just broke my brain and explained something to me about myself. Oh, the reason that I watch things over and over again is because I don't pay attention the first 47 times <laughs> and I don't want to, I don't want to, like, I want to be playing on my phone or, you know, washing yeah. the dishes because that's how my brain functions. But that's probably why for the two of you who, because I feel like Matt's obviously more in your camp. No, I, 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 I love this. Well, yeah. is there something that would wrap all of this, this beautiful ADHD jam up? Do you want to give Tay one more? I'm getting I'm getting my dice tray up to the mic so we can get some sweet clickety klaxons. Yes. That is a 71. What is the, the most likely thing to distract you during combat when it isn't your turn? So I need to ask you that as a player, obviously, not a GM. Almost anything. I have I have a really hard time being a player for this reason. Okay. Combat specifically sometimes can be torturously boring mm. to me. I can't sit through other people's turns. If you're the GM, you're always going. You are active, 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 because you yep. must always be thinking and reacting and responding. And every single moment is firing on all cylinders. And it feels the way that I think combat should feel, like the way that I hope combats do feel. I've never had I've never had the the gumption or the verve to try the angry GM technique. Have you all heard of this? So angry GM is a blog. They have a technique that is doing combat like a dolphin where you don't give people any time to respond. If you don't start speaking and right. saying what your action is within like the first two seconds, you've passed turn and you've lost your turn to indecision. Right. And it's a thing that like, I have always wanted to try, but I'm I'm not like firm or mean. And I'm so, I'm so pat. I'm like, whatever y'all want to do is great by me. It's the, like my general ethos. So I can't ever get it in me to do that. But it's the way that I think combat should feel. And I never get that experience as a player. And I've had some great GMs. I've had some great GMs. But anytime you have to sit and wait for your turn to come around is bad. So I literally yesterday edited the podcast episode that will be out tomorrow. Cool. And it's hilarious that you brought this up because the biggest chunk of what we talk about in that episode is Matt's feeling vexed about combat taking too long. Oh, what? And you're the I, same person. Uh, you are. Like, I know. I need to just leave and just let you two bro it yeah, out. Don't now because, yeah, no, I no, no, it. no. No, we need we need you here as the balancing force. Otherwise, but, the true. engine will just we do and then explode off into space. Well, in that episode, <laughs> I say that I have never experienced a combat that I think takes too long because I think combat is fun. I know. I know. Like, I'm now like shocked yeah. faces. Shocked yeah. faces. I was stunned. I was stunned when she said <laughs> Yeah. When a, a critical role episode that the entire episode is combat, I am here for. One of our games where the entire thing is combat, I am here for. Oh. So Hilarious. what are you doing? What are you doing with all your downtime? Prepping for my turns. So that way, if I ever do encounter an angry GM, I'm, you know, so like I'm listening to what other people are doing. So what is and isn't working? I'm going through my spell sheet. Like what is the wow. like baddest possible move I could make? Especially I mean, that's, that's why you're a great player, but I'm also shocked. 
And I love it. I live for that. It is the most fun thing in the world. Well, to and I live for your joy. That's it. It, it, it makes me happy to hear this. I mean, yeah. I, it, I'm stunned, but it really makes I'm glad I'm glad. I was stunned when I heard that, like the reason Matt was trying to play with some homebrew rules and make some different, you know, combat configurations was because Matt thought combat took too long. That shocked me. So we're just all in here shocking each other. And also because I think that it should be deadlier. That's that's also the case. But, but yes, faster and deadlier <laughs> combat. I, I will say I hear you both on. <laughs> Because my immediate knee-jerk reaction to what you just shared about the angry GM was, no, but I hear you both on the stakes. It's got to matter. And if you're too loving and, you know, oh, whatever experience you want today, like, that's dumb. But a lot of, but a lot of players are really into playing it like, like a board game where you can just sit and think and tactically talk it out. And I'm not here to crush their joy. And my true kryptonite as a GM is, like... A player's puppy eyes like all they have to do is be like but can we and i'm like yes of course you can do whatever you want like i'm so permissive in that way i will say as you guys share the things that you like crunch on your soul in game the way apparently com like combat taking too long does that's why i feel the way i feel about shopping episodes and strategy oh, yeah. episodes when we spend entire mm. Because it's all, it's everything we've been saying in this episode. It's all going to go to shit. So why are we going to spend two hours pouring over, like, how are we going to open this door? Just kick it open. We'll figure out the other <laughs> side on the other side. That's when I get like, this is taking too long. When we go through like every possible multiverse option yeah. for walking through that door. So yep. players beware. If you're playing with me and you take two <laughs> hours to come up with a strategy, I'm going to get mad. Well, and it's all tempered and it all has to be balanced. And if there's yeah. anything that two straight years of running for like dozens and dozens of strangers on the internet has taught me, it's mm. just that everyone has their own version of fun. And trying to get all of that in a game is quite a feat and respect everyone's version of fun and let everyone have a bit of what they want. But that's also the experience of being human. So it's also my favorite. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's it. Bravo. Bravo. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. I'm already True. preparing for the next time Tay comes on. I'm already preparing to be the first listener and number one fan of y'all's forthcoming podcast. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. So thank you for being on a part of this. And it's just always so great to listen to you talk and share. Period. Yeah, this is this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Tay. Thank you for having me. Tell her my favorite. You're our favorite. <laughs>